Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. As I mentioned last week, this is the summit of our One Thing message series, and it's a big day. Big day in having the Smiths with us. Must say, a big day in having many of our college students back home with us. And fall break, so good to have you guys here. We miss you while you're away. But uh, we are headed towards, and actually next week will be the final week of this One Thing series. But what makes today unique is that we will be challenged to commit. To this one thing initiative. And just to put this in a big picture, if we could uh, we'll go ahead and draw this out on the, the uh, let's see, I've got a clear screen here. It's football season two, Telestrator time. The, uh, the goal, as we do life here, is to follow Christ, to be fully devoted followers of Christ for the glory of God and to have his heart. And we've said as a team, okay, and through his word, what, what does that look like? And we talk about having a, a uh, five areas that, that we talk about, worship, the W, reach, where we're with his heart, his compassion, reaching out to people who may not know him, connecting and loving relationships, growing in our faith and our love, and then serving. And in each one of these areas, there's a habit that goes with it that helps position us in a a way that we can grow. And there under the the worship, we'll uh, tell us straighter issues here again. You know what? There we go. Under worship, we have practical teaching. And the habit is we gather here today to hear from the Word of God, practical teaching that, that helps us walk with Christ. Under the reach, we have passion alignment. We talked last a couple weeks ago about how when we dwell in the presence of God, draw close to Him, it empowers our witness. Under the connect, we have providential relationships where God leads us into these relationships with other followers of Christ and pours His grace through each other to each other as we do life in small group. Under the grow, we have private disciplines. These are the things that, that we just build into our lives, the habits that keep us in the presence of God, that, that help us connect with Him. And then under the serve, we have personal ministry, where we ask God, how have you created me to, to be a blessing to the people around me? So these are the, the five habits. Now today, we're in the grow quadrant. We're in the quadrant of private disciplines, which as I think about if sometimes you, you, you do that, uh, okay, if there was one area that's most important in terms of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, what would that one area be? I, I find myself landing in this quadrant in terms of, of what matters most. They're all important, but the commitment to dwell in His presence, the commitment to... to uh, to be with him in prayer, in his word, worshiping, may be the most important. And, and that's where we're at today. 
And so this one thing, if you're just joining us today, this one thing focus flows out of Psalm 27, verse 4, where the psalmist is praying, one thing I ask of you, Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, or the presence of God, all the days of my life, to gaze on your beauty. It's that picture of praise and thanksgiving, and to seek you in your temple, the picture of living surrendered to our Lord. So that's where we're going today, the text that's going to take us into to this uh, and help us commit is Psalm 84. So if you would join me there, Psalm chapter 84, powerful text. There's three phases in this text that the psalmist will walk us through. And what's, what we're praying will happen is our longing will be lit, we'll, be, we'll make a commitment to journey on into the presence of the Lord, and that we'll get a glimpse of the arrival joy that, that will motivate us to keep on. So Psalm 84, we'll begin reading in verse Verse 1, one to, 1 to 4 forms the first phase, which is longing lit. With you is where I want to be. Verse 1 says, he's speaking to the Lord, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And then he looks at and. In this context, in Israel, the presence of the, the temple represented the presence of the Lord. For us, our hearts are the temple of the Lord through the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here he sees the temple, and he he's, starts to envy the birds. He says, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. And then he sums it up, blessed, happy are those who dwell in your house, dwell in your presence, they are for they are ever praising you. Can you feel the passion as in his heart? You talk about a longing lit. He doesn't even go to try to describe the, uh, the presence of the Lord. He just says how lovely it is. Your dwelling place, Lord. And then he says, I'm hungering for it. I'm longing for it. In fact, that word faint is that idea. If I don't get into your presence, it's like me not getting my next breath. I'm going to pass out. That, that's the kind of... Uh, passion and, and desire I have to be in your presence. And then with the birds, where he's like, I see that bird building its nest near your altar. That's the real estate I want. I, I want to be close to you. I want to dwell with you. And it raises the question for us today, is my longing lit? D do I have a passion to be close to him, to dwell in his presence, to live close to my God. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, writes, the modern scientist has lost God amid the wonders of his world, but we Christians are in real danger of losing God amid the wonders of his word. We have almost forgotten that God is a person. And then he goes on to talk about how our God is so much more than a subject to study, he's a person to know. And his word is crucial in that we know him through his word, but the end goal is that we look into the eyes of, of a person who created us in his image with the capacity to relate to him and to know him and to, uh, to enjoy an, a growing intimacy and friendship with him. I was reminded of this one moment this past summer as it was in that state, what Tam and I call BC, before coffee where in the morning we each have our cup of coffee, but we don't talk a lot before that cup of coffee. We give each other time to wake up, what have you, and I'm a little dangerous before that, and that I, I'm foggy, and so I just have to get to the coffee cup and get to my chair and, and meet with the Lord in that time. 
But this was on vacation, so I had to get from the hotel room across the road into a coffee shop and figure out, try to remember, okay, what are all the fancy ways of saying small, large, medium, and what goes in these coffees, and, and all this stuff. And so it's taking all the mental power I've got, and I've got three coffees for Tam, Jess, and myself, and I'm lined up there at the coffee counter. Now I'm trying to figure out, remember, okay, two sweeteners here, blah, 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 creamer here, not there. And then I open up one lid, and I hit that huge challenge, which took me to the edge of my brain power. It was all the way full. So what do I do with this? Do I dump it out? Do I sip? I can't sip. And I'm trying to figure this out, and I am locked in on preparing this coffee when I didn't even notice a human on the other side of the counter doing the same thing until I heard her voice. And I looked up, and it was a lady about the age of my mom who had a twinkle in her eye and a smile on her face, and she said, have you ever noticed that some days the hardest thing we do is get our coffee ready, prepare our coffee. <laughs> and she was sympathizing and, and uh, identifying with my pre-coffee struggle, and we just laughed. And, and it was interesting. I, I didn't meet another person in Monterey, but that was a... And as I was looking back on that moment in my journal, what hit me was the power of a human connection. The gift of just looking up and like... We connected over something we had in common. It was a moment of joy, you know, a gift of grace. But how much greater to look up from our making our coffee, doing our do list, all the things we do in a day, and connect with the living God. <laughs> and to see Him look into our eyes with immeasurable love and joy and say, you need help with that? <laughs> and let's go do something today. He created us to know Him, to enjoy Him, to walk with Him. And the greatest treasure of life is Him. It's living in His presence. It's what Christ came to give us. It's what He suffered the agonies of, of the cross for, to lead us into this relationship that's full of peace, and full of joy. And I think A.W. Tozer is on to something. It's so easy to get caught up in the to-do list, right? And even our relationship with God can become a check mark, where we check this. We do all these habits, and good habits, these habits, but what are the point of the habits? They're to lead us into a greater love for Him, to enjoy Him, walk with Him, here the psalmist in these first four verses is, is just lighting up our longing as we, we feel the, the heat of his passion. The greatest gift in life, Lord, is to be close to you, to walk with you. But then it moves from, from longing into the next phase. Phase two is to journey on. To be with you is where I'm going. If this is the treasure of life, then I'm headed into your presence. Verse five says, blessed or happy are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. It's that idea of I'm taking a trip, I'm going somewhere, and where are they going? As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn, autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. He's just, they're describing their trip into the journey, into the presence of God, their journey. What a, a great picture of, of moving from good intention to moving to action. It's saying, this is a picture of, I'm going to do something. 
When you set out to take a trip, set out to journey, when your heart is set on pilgrimage, you've decided, I'm going to spend some time, I'm going to spend some energy, and I'm going to spend some money, resources, to, to get to this place, to go from here to here. And what a neat picture. He says, you know, my strength is in you, Lord, therefore my heart is set on pilgrimage, and that as I pass through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Baca, is a, we, the scholars don't exactly know what it is, but it's a valley, and we'll assume it's just that point where it's hard to keep going. Make it a place of springs. We'll, we'll talk more about what that mean, may mean. Um, the autumn rains, picture of God's providence, covers it with pools, provides resources as we do the journey, till each appear before God in Zion. And isn't that a cool picture of the journey of life? Like, we're going from strength to strength until we arrive, ultimately, face-to-face with the Lord. But even now, where do we get our strength? As we do life, where do you get your strength? It's in His presence. And so we draw close to Him. And this is where we, uh, the, the challenge in this section or the question it raises, is my heart set on pilgrimage to live in the presence of God, to dwell with Him? We were laughing as a small group last week as uh, Brian and Amy Ellis, Ellis were sharing how when their family sets their hearts on a journey, like to go somewhere, what happens to, to Brian's heart? All of a sudden, when he sets his heart on pilgrimage, he is out to beat the GPS, whatever time they say you, the GPS says you can get there. He's out to beat everyone else on the road, and he's uh, every stop for the restroom or, or coffee or whatever is your time in that pit stop, and it better be quick. And if his kids don't have their shoes on before you get to the place, he's mad. You know, no lollygagging around in the pits in the restroom, right? Anybody, any other, uh, anyone married to someone like that? <laughs> it's like the race is on. And what his heart is set to get from here to there. Now, what are the odds that Brian's going to make it? And the Ellis family is going to get from where they, where they hope to go, 100%. Why? Heart is set on pilgrimage. Today, the challenge from God's Word, as we think about living in the presence of the Lord, pursuing Him as our one thing, dwelling with Him, is that we would commit, set our hearts on pilgrimage. The uh, three habits that that we're going to be challenged to commit to, three habits that some of you may already be doing, but but, uh, this is going to push us this year where the commitment is for a year, but here they are, that we will pursue one thing, His presence, set our heart on pilgrimage by pursuing these habits or practicing these habits. Here they are, a daily meeting, a weekly Sabbath, an annual retreat with Him. Each of these habits, the goal is our relationship with God, a commitment to give our time, give our energy to growing in our relationship with the Lord, our friendship with the Lord. So the daily meeting is, we, we call this the most important meeting of the day, but where we get alone with God, we call it chair time here at Westbridge. But the idea of you find a chair in your house or a couple chairs where you just, this is my spot, and then you pick a time on your calendar and you're committed to it. Not legalistically, but, but this is where I meet with Him. Most important meeting of the day. Why? The only way we get to know someone is spending time with them, right? I mean, if you really want to get to know someone, you have to spend time with them. So it is with the Lord. If we're serious about knowing the most wonderful being in the universe, we will set aside time just to be with Him. And we we get to know Him through His Word, so we open His Word, and then we talk, we pray. Now, what's neat about this, you say, well, I don't have time. 
the busier we are, the more we need this time because it's in this time with him that he helps us prioritize what matters, what doesn't, and gives us the power to do what what it is he's called us to do that day. So daily meeting is the... uh, the first habit. Second habit is weekly Sabbath. This is where we set aside one day a week to rest and refuel in his presence. And this can look different, and the activities that, that will uh, fill your Sabbath are different for all of us. Quick, quick um, side note, this is not a command to us in this dispensation or in the church age. This is the one, of the, this is the one out of the nine, ten commands in the Old Testament that's not repeated in the New Testament. Jesus is our Sabbath rest, but because Sabbath was established at creation, when God rested, made us in his image, and then he rested, did he need to rest? No, he was setting a pattern, rhythm of life for us to help us operate in a healthy way. I think Sabbath is a gift for us to open today, and I think if Jesus were to walk with us today, this would be the one thing he'd say, guys, why are you so busy in your culture? Sabbath. With me, I, I love the image, the uh, moment in Mark chapter six, um, verse thirty-one, where it says, "Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest.'" Jesus created this for his guys, and I appreciated what Rich and Sherry said about we, we need to live in that tension of opening our hearts and lives to people and being busy, but, 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 we are not the Messiah, and even when the Messiah was here, he said, guys, you've got to rest, take time to rest, and Sabbath is that 24-hour, in the Hebrew calendar, it started at sunset and went to sunset, talking with Tim this week, and and, uh, he shared that Kimmy's daily meeting is at night, how many night people do we have, where you wake up at night, yeah, she gives her time with her daily meeting. Is, her best time of the day is night. That's when she meets with the Lord. Some of us morning people, our best time is in the morning. But if you have your daily meeting at night, good thing in that you, there's something about just shutting her all down and saying, Lord, I'm going to rest in your presence now. The problems of the world are all out there. And then you sleep and you get that restorative sleep and then you wake up refresh to just be with the Lord. Now, what do you do on Sabbath? Here's the golden rule of Sabbath that, that I don't have time to get into it all, but Mark Buchanan in his book, The Rest of God, shares, cease from what is necessary, do what gives you life. Two parts of it. Cease from what is necessary, do what gives you life. Now, will, you, will we ever, will, will the do list ever be done? Can you always do more? Can you always work more? Can you? We don't Take Sabbath when we're finished doing what we do. Sabbath is where we just stop. Well, we have this mountain of to-do list, and we step outside of time, and we breathe the air of heaven, and we remember we are not human doings. We are human beings created by God to be sustained by Him, to enjoy Him, and for 24 hours, we are His children. And we enjoy him, we eat delicious food and celebrate it with him, we do fun things, we play, whatever that looks like, Joe Johansson, we get in the sailboat, we go out and sail, we, uh, we listen to great music and just 
bask in it. We read great stuff. We, we meet with him, allow him to order our soul. We have our daily meeting on Sabbath. Some, your Sabbath may be coming. With, we hang out with great people, people who give us life, and, and we uh, worship together if your Sunday is part of your Sabbath. But here's the thing. On Sabbath, we say, I will only look at what's beautiful. Because the other six days of the week, we have to look at what's not so beautiful. But we claim Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, which says, think about what is true, what is right, what is lovely, what is noble, what is, all these things. And we say on Sabbath, I will let no darkness into this day. This is the, uh, I'm raising the shade, and I'm going to receive this gift. And here's what happens on Sabbath. God restores our soul. He fills us back up with hope and with joy and with peace. And then we are more productive the next seven days. When I fail to observe Sabbath, I fill it the next seven days. I struggle to live in his presence. I, I struggle to live fear, free of fear, free of my compulsions. Why can't we stop to take Sabbath? Three waves of resistance. The first is internal. We're worshiping something, and it's, we're tempted to worship the idol in this culture of success, and I can't stop. What if I fail? What if I don't get ahead at the job? What if I don't prep the message so it'll be really good and the church doesn't grow? Right? It's an idol. Even good things like ministry or your, what if I don't make these people happy and you're serving people instead of God? What if I don't keep my social world in line? I can't step off, I can't set my phone off and, and do a social media fast for 24 hours. What if I miss something? We're worshiping the idol of approval whatever that may look like, um, and you go through the list, stuff, status, we, we, we're, why are we so busy? <laughs> I just picture a little, why are we so busy? My kid's not, you know, number one on the, we got to do this, and God's saying, no, 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 step us, and it's on Sabbath we gain sanity. He is the one that's holding it all together, he's the one that's providing, and, and, uh, and I could go on, on I think part of why God put me on the planet was to help people into soul rest, and so I get super passionate about this. So we're going to do some seminars. Tyson's going to be speaking in a couple weeks. When he's taught, speaking it here, I'm going to be giving a class on one thing, retreats and Sabbath and daily meetings. We'll talk through the logistics and be able to share a lot more about this. But I, can I, are you getting thirsty for it, though? <laughs> this is a gift that you can open. It really is. And if you put, the, here's the thing, you guys. If you will institute this habit, a daily meeting and a weekly Sabbath, what God will give you is strength to strength to get through the Valley of Baca. He will. And what pumps me up is this is eternal stuff. Like, I just see it. Like, how are you going to get strength? I look at my kid, you know, like, Chad, how's Chad going to make it? Because I know big mountains are coming for him. He's going to make it because he's got a discipline, a habit, where every day he gets with God, and then every week he's taking one day. Aside. William Wilberforce, read his life. He's the guy who ended uh, slavery over in Britain. It was his Sabbath that sustained him, he says. You know, he's getting tagged, and it was year-long, tag, tag, tag. But it was his time with the Lord, that weekly Sabbath that kept him going, and person after person could share this. And then the last one is an annual retreat, and this is where we take Sabbath on the road. Uh, when you're at home, do you have a hard time focusing? 
Like, you always got the to-do list. You got all this stuff coming at you. And when we're, when we're at home, we tend to go with our compulsions. We're all people of compulsion, and our compulsions often enslave us. When you go away, you get out from your compulsions and all the stuff that home brings. It's the way, why we take vacations as family, anniversary trips as couples. We can be present with each other. So a retreat is where you take Sabbath on the road and say, God, for these 24 hours or 48 hours, I just want to be with you. And I'm going to commit to be present with you. And Eric did that a couple weeks ago. Um, I do that once a year. Awesome. God meets us in those moments. So what we're challenging everybody to do is put that, pull out your calendar and just do it. And uh, so, and then the last part of this text is the arrival joy. How do we keep on and love what the psalmist does here? He, he describes what it's like to be in the presence of God. First prayer, verse 8, hear my prayer, Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And here, here it is. When we enter the presence of God, here's the thought. Better is one day in your courts than, than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Why? For the Lord God is a son. A son gives light, guides our path, but also gives life and a shield, protects us. The Lord bestows favor and honor, grace upon grace. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You say, okay, seeing it, the arrival joy, but how do we live in the presence of God? And that last verse describes it, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The reality is none of us deserve to be in the presence of God, but through faith in Jesus Christ, as we celebrated at communion, we can enter his presence. And then he provides for us in his presence. He's faithful. And, uh, and one day I was thinking, you know, the, the more we get to know him, the more we long for him, the more we long to be with him. And I love that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, now we see in part as looking into a, a mirror, the dim reflection of the Lord. And when we get with him, we, we see him in his word. We see him, but it's, it's like looking at a, a mirror that's, not, that's all fuzzy. Now we see him part. But one day we will know him fully, even as we are fully known. He sees us clearly, but one day we will know him fully. These three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. One day faith and hope will give way to a rival joy, pure love in his presence. But today... We get to live in his presence, to seek him. So has your longing been lit this morning? I hope God's stirring a, a, a longing for him in your heart. And would you be willing to commit to journey on, to journey into his presence, to seek him through these three habits? And when it gets tough to keep on, to, to picture a rival joy, I encourage you to grab this psalm and just soak in it and think about um, the treasure of being in his presence. And you may be saying, John, why commit? Why commit? Here's why. We grow by commitments, not by good intentions. Good chance most of us are thinking this is a good idea, but what's really going to move us from to do this? Illustration this week. I've always wanted to take my bike, my mountain bike, downtown, do some urban, you know, biking through the city during the marathon and encourage a friend during the monumental marathon. You know, hit them at checkpoints and, hey, keep on. Always wanted to do that for probably a decade Wes and Seth, we've been tracking with them as they prep for this marathon, and so I, I had the thought, beautiful day, I'm gonna, this year I should go do that, I think I'm going to do that, good intention. 
But when I was talking with Seth about it, he was like, hey, I've actually been looking for somebody to meet me at the five-mile mark with some water. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll commit. I'll be there. I'll be your... And the odds of me showing up on November 9th went from 8% to 100%. Why? Committed. I committed to it. So that's what we're calling each other to today. Would you commit to this one thing initiative to practice a daily meeting, weekly Sabbath, annual retreat to seek the Lord? Try it for a year, but commit. And what I did on my card, I encourage you to write it down in your Bible. Just say, today, I'm committing to this. Write it down. I, I, on the little one thing card, we have these in back. I wrote it down on the back. This is what I'm committing. I signed it, and I put a date to it. <laughs> and will we fail? Yeah, we'll fail. But success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. The commitment gets us back up, keeps us going. But would you be willing to commit? Now, what's at stake with this? And here's a picture that captures it. I keep the, these Christmas cards in my attaboy box or my motivational box. What's at stake is eternal joy of the people that you love, of your own joy. When we dwell in his presence, what are we? What's this, what the psalmist say? Blessed, blessed, blessed. God puts a joy in our heart that puts a smile on our face that is eternal. And when we're living a life of joy, who gets glorified? God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. And how do we become satisfied in Him? It's by dwelling in His presence. Now these smiles are going to go up and down with the Valley of Baca, right? The tough times in life. But the joy, the possibility of joy in each of these precious kids' hearts, our family, eternal joy is what's at stake. So would you commit one thing to dwell in your presence? You guys in? We look a little tired. We went late today, but, uh, <laughs> but I pray and hope and pray you will. And I know this is a lot, and if you need time to process and would like to talk, we'll be doing some, um, some seminars, as I mentioned earlier. But would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the treasure of, of dwelling in your presence. Thank you for this psalm that you've given us that just lights our longing, calls us to, to pilgrimage, to journey on, and then gives us a taste of arrival joy. Lord, thank you for being our sun, our shield, for being the one that sustains us, that uh, just covers us with your grace, good thing after good thing. And we, uh, we look forward this year, Lord, as a faith family to, to journey into your presence through these habits. So I pray blessing over us, give us grace to do this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.